Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 4th of March, 2023. As the Flyers will be back in action tomorrow, they'll be back home 6 o'clock to take on the Detroit Red Wings. We'll hear the Detroit Red Wings name more in a moment. Uh, but they will be back in action tomorrow. We'll preview that game for you. The NHL trade deadline has come and gone. It was, you know, deadline day is usually the day they point to where all the deals are going to be made. But a lot of deals were made leading up to deadline day. Flyers were not very active when it came to the NHL trade deadline. I am not breaking any news there. Um, they did make a couple of deals. Two of their unrestricted free agents, including Patrick Brown, who was sent to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a 2023 sixth-round draft pick. And earlier on trade deadline day, it was Zach McEwen, who was actually just activated from IR. He had the jaw injury, I think a broken jaw. And they trade Zach McEwen to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for Brendan Lemieux and a 2024 fifth-round draft pick. And that's the deals. Justin Braun, still here. Uh, you look at some of the other big names, guys with term, that were talked about. I always felt all along that Kevin Hayes and Ivan Provorov or any of those kind of deals with players with term were much more likely to happen in the offseason, around the draft, before free agency. Uh, when teams look to reset their roster, you can get more teams involved. Not saying those two players are going to be traded then, uh, but deals like that. I feel are much more likely to happen at that time. And sometimes the conversations that are had at this time of year can yield results at that time of year. But with that being said, obviously the big one and the big question mark was James Van Riemsdyk. And James Van Riemsdyk's been in the NHL a very long time. He has some very established statistics in his career, has had some very good years, has not had uh, a great year this season partially because of the wrist injury and surgery that he had. He's got nine goals, 14 assists, 23 points in 41 games this year. And since he's returning, he only has a goal and an assist. I have a feeling that may have affected his value. But all said and done, James Van Riemsdyk's played 920 games in the NHL, 297 goals, 288 assists, 585 points, and is a guy that would, from a culture standpoint, fit into any locker room. He's a total pro, a pro's pro, and he's a guy with a big price tag. $7 million cap hit. Flyers were willing to eat half of that cap hit. Chuck Fletcher talks about that, and you'll hear his availability in just a moment. Uh, but Chuck Fletcher said that he didn't get any firm offers for James Van Riemsdyk until 1.40 on deadline day. And at the offer that was discussed and accepted had conditions, and the conditions were that Detroit uh, would have to make another move, move another player out to be able to add James Van Riemsdyk. Now, when I first saw news of that potential landing spot for JVR, when Elliot Friedman and other insiders pointed that out, that looks like a deal with Detroit is about to happen, I thought that that was just maybe a pit stop for JVR, that Detroit was acquiring him to then flip him somewhere else in a lot of ways, being that third team in a deal that was going to soften the cap hit even further. So Flyers could retain half, Detroit could retain some more money and move them on and get more than uh, they gave up for, than the Flyers to be a third team in there and gain an asset as well for being a bit of a banker. But that ended up not happening. Chuck Fletcher explains, and you'll hear it from him, that 
they were that contingency that Detroit was able to make that other move did not come to fruition. That fell through, and there goes the deal to Detroit for James Van Riemsdyk. It's, you know, I understand from an optics standpoint, it is incredibly disappointing not to see, you know, more asset allocation at this time of year. A lot of teams made some pretty complicated deals. I thought there were some pretty complicated deals made at this deadline. And there was a good amount of action. It wasn't all yesterday. If you look at the last 10 days, there was a good amount of action around the NHL. I thought a lot of teams, particularly teams in the Eastern Conference that are in the top eight, had a lot of action trying to make themselves better in this arms race in the Eastern Conference. And a lot of teams got some good selling done and maybe a jump start and maybe some more assets to help them get their rebuild, retool, whatever you want, whatever each team is doing. And the Flyers ended up with a fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick, lost Patrick Brown, lost Zach McEwen, and they'll get a 20-game look at Brendan Lemieux. Ultimately, I don't think what happened at this deadline would have accelerated or decelerated any, and a whole heck of a lot from a hockey standpoint. But again, it's about the optics, and the optics that they weren't able to move James Van Riemsdyk, who is knocking on the door of 300 goals in the NHL, is tough. It's a bitter pill to swallow. So let's hear from the Flyers president and general manager of hockey operations, Chuck Fletcher. He met with the media yesterday, took on some tough questions. Uh, so here's that availability with the assembled media at Flyer Skate Zone yesterday after the trade deadline. How close were you with JVR? Um, there was, uh, I didn't have any offers at all until about 1.40. I got a call from a team and, and they had a, a concept that if they were able to move a forward off of their team, uh, then they had interest in, in acquiring JVR. We talked about the parameters of what the deal would look like. And, um, you know, it made sense from that standpoint, but all along it was conditional on the other trade going through. And, um, you know, eventually the other deal fell through. And, and uh, that was just minutes before the deadline? Uh, no, it was probably about 25 minutes before the deadline when the when the uh, I found out that the deal fell through. So, but it was it was interesting, interesting um, market. I mean, we've been working the phones hard for three weeks on 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 a few, you know most of our players on expiring contracts and and uh, you know the one offer that I did get on JVR happened at 1:40 this afternoon and it was a uh, conditional offer and you know I didn't know what the market would be but I thought there would at least be uh, some offers that we would have to consider or, or not consider so. You know, it's the nature of the business, I guess. It is what it is. Um, you know, we would probably rather have a good pick um, and allow JVR the opportunity to play in the playoffs. But, you know, the market spoke, you know, and, and um, it, it wasn't to be. And, and he's, a, he's a true professional. Um, he's a good hockey player for us, and he'll be a good mentor down the stretch. But Did you have other teams that you, like, you went back to when you found that out? Oh, I've been speaking to teams for three weeks. I've spoken yeah, to every team. Every team by every team by then had already told me, you know, no, uh, several times. So, uh, yeah, there was no that deal didn't hold up anything at all. I, I, I never had an offer until that conditional offer at 140, which I found out at 230 wasn't going to happen. And and um, so I they, spoke. They acquired somebody else. Just to clarify, they acquired somebody else. No, they didn't acquire somebody else. They they were going to move a forward. 
the other team. I don't know the details of what they were doing. Uh, it wasn't really my business, but if they were able to consummate the other trade, then they were going to come back. But we had the framework of the deal done in case uh, they were able to make that trade and, and they weren't able to make it. There was a report from Elliot Friedman who said that it was pending a physical, so that, that wasn't true. No, no, nothing. You, routinely when you acquire players, teams ask uh, you know, about the medicals and, and they did ask and his medicals are fine. You guys have been covering Javier, he has no medical issues, but it had nothing to do with us. It, it, uh, again, we agreed to the conditional part of the deal and but I understood the conditions, so there was there's nothing uh, untoward here. Like we we understood that if the deal happened, we had a deal. If it didn't happen, we didn't have a deal. It was it was all up front. And um, but at that point again, it, it uh, you know we were where we were. Chuck, you said there were no firm offers on JBR, but obviously deals have been going on for the, the past week or so. Do you think that maybe your ask was too high in the early going, and then? There was no one left that had interest because they had already had their pieces. By no, day. no, I don't think that at all. You know, typically, you make a, an offer and another team counters. If it, if a team has interest, they typically counter, if it, or they accept your offer, or they counter your offer. I mean, these are draft picks we're talking about. It's not not overly complicated. So, you know, but uh, you know, I. If you, there's no smoking gun here, I guess is all I could say, but. You know, we, we certainly made everybody aware he was available. Uh, we made everybody aware we would, re, we, we would retain 50%. We made everybody aware that we could even take back a contract if that helped a little bit more on the cap or the cash. And um, we talked about a different range and different ways of getting there, prospects, a, a pick, uh, multiple picks, whatever it would be, conditional pick. We, you know, we talked about all kinds of different scenarios, but ultimately, again, you, you know, I can only control my half, and, and uh, there has to be a willing buyer. And until 140 today, we never, you know, we never had uh, any type of offer, and the offer we got was conditional. I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a guy who has nearly 300 goals in the NHL. There were many other players that were dealt at this deadline that don't have the same, you know, pedigree that he has. I guess, how do you explain the lack of interest? That was my, I've been using that line for three days. That's exactly what I've been saying to teams. Like, he, this guy's a good player. He can help you. Get him, give him to you at 3.5 million, and just let's cut a fair deal. So I, I can't answer that, Charlie. I mean, obviously, if I, I can't speak for the other teams. Have disappointed are you that you couldn't get a draft pick for him? I'm sure you, going into it, you thought you'd get at least a draft pick. Yeah, you, that that certainly was the hope, and to give JVR an opportunity to play in the playoffs. He's a he's a pending UFA. He's been a good pro for us, and I think it would have been a win-win for both sides. But I, again, I, yeah, I much I would have much rather had a pick than, than not. Uh, but we never had that opportunity, so I, it, it is what it is. I mean, there's only so much you can do, and I spoke to every team in the league, and uh, really, there's about 16 teams that were true buyers, and spoke to them multiple times. Uh, there was a couple times I thought there might be a possibility, and then things would veer off. So, uh, you know, there's not much more I can say. I can't, you know, I, we were willing and we were accommodating and we were open to ideas, and and uh, but you need somebody to be a willing buyer. Chuck, in your conversations with those potential buyers, what was the biggest sticking point in them not wanting to get over the hump for JBR? Uh, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, a $7 million cap hit, you retain 50, it's still 3.5. I mean, you can see some of the, the team's cap situations. I assume that was part of it. Um, you know, there's been some pretty good players moved. You know, probably there's some teams that had preferences, of, you know, uh, players they preferred above JVR, but I can't speak to that. Well, I mean, again, that, that would be up to the buying team to do that. But say, for example, you're a team and you value JVR as a fourth-round pick. You think he's worth a fourth-round pick. Then you're going to give up another third or fourth-round pick to have a team retain another 50%. You now doubled your your acquisition cost. And and so I'm, I'm just I'm trying to be really clear here. I, I didn't get a firm offer of even a fourth-round pick for JVR. So... You know, just logically, I can't speak for those teams, but obviously that's more than they wanted to pay. Jeff, you said that you were willing, if it would help, to take back an NHL-level contract. Now, were there parameters on that? <laughs> you guys are going to beat this one up. Like, holy gosh. Yeah, I, I mean, I've told teams I absolutely I would take a player on an expiring deal. I would take a one-way contract in the minors. I could help on the cash. Um, I was not interested in taking a player with term unless that player could be could help us going forward. So, but we tried to be as accommodating as possible. But again, we we never had an offer. There was never anything that broke down. There was never anybody that said, you know, I'm only going to give you a third or a fourth or a six, uh, you, you know, and take it or leave it. I, I never even got that. So, um, it just I, I don't know what to say. I, yesterday, for example, I received two calls, uh, one on JVR, one on another player, and I made 17. And I just counted my log. So, I, you know, we, we actively did our best to, to get an asset and to give JVR the opportunity to play in the playoffs, and it, it didn't happen. And, uh, Do you think your, your explanation of this will that you calm down your, your fan base and sort of like give them a sense of where, where you were throughout the process here? I, again, when, you, when you're selling at the trade deadline, it, it's not really a hockey trade. You're selling. You're trying to trade a player and get a draft pick. And, and in order for that to happen, you need a team that's willing to give you a draft pick back. And, and that's, I can't control that end of it. I can only control uh, making sure I talk to everybody, make sure I let everybody know uh, we're willing to retain half, make sure everybody knows that we can take a contract back. Uh, let people know we're flexible in terms of the, uh, you know, what type of, you know, we're not necessarily led to a pick. It could be a prospect. It, you know, there's different ways to do it. And from my experience and, and every other deal I've done, you, you know, typically you come in and say the player we're looking for X and the other team says, well, it might be a little rich. I'll give you a Y. And then you haggle. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, I guess what surprised me was I wasn't even able to get a team to say, I'll give you this. Chuck, you talked about retaining salary. Um, do you think if James was making less than $7 million, he, he would have more suitors? It seems like money was the biggest obstacle here. That, that's my assumption. But, uh, you know, probably in the next week or so, we have GM meetings next week, and I'm going to ask a couple teams, you know, what, what they felt and, um, you know, and, and what happened. But, uh, you know, again, it, other teams are some good players moved, and, um, you know, a couple of teams came online uh, a little bit later in, in, in the process and, and had some pretty good players that ended up getting moved. So, you know, I'm not sure the exact reason, but but uh, certainly, again, the cap hit at $7 million 
is high in this environment, which again is why we were willing to, to work with teams. But you know, I'm, I have to assume that was part of it for some teams. I haven't spoken to him yet. I spoke to his agent. Um, I thought I would let you guys uh, have me first, and then I'll I'll speak with him soon. The other day, you mentioned that you wanted to sell some and get younger. Um, for some of the older guys beyond JBR, I guess, did you get offers then? And why did you decide not ultimately not to move some of your older players, like you know, Kevin, Rob, the ones you said you were taking calls on? Well, you need to get value. You know, I had had a lot of conversations. You, you know. Um, I essentially told teams, you know, look, we have our, our three pending UFAs and and uh, and we'll listen on anybody, you know, essentially and um, had conversations with teams and, you know, I think there um, there's some good conversations. I think that could be picked up in the summer in certain situations. And uh, but, you know, the goal is certainly to get younger, as I mentioned, but but also to, to make sure the you know you're, you're getting fair value for the for the players you have and and uh, you know there were a lot of names in the market there were uh, a lot of sellers but you know from our standpoint there was a couple situations we looked at and things just didn't make sense at this point in time. That's not to say they won't in the summer. There's some things again we can pick up, but you know we were able to to pick up a couple draft picks today. Um, you know, would have liked to have picked up a third one uh, as we've just gone through, but uh, you know, that's that's uh, what we're able to accomplish. Chuck, I guess you know, you to kind of to follow up on Gianna's question about getting younger. You talked to us earlier mm -hmm. this week. You said you wanted to get younger. The way today played out with you know not being able to find something for JBR, Justin Braun's still here, so not all the, the rentals got moved. I guess, you know, how can people have faith that you can actually get this team younger? Because part of getting it younger is going to be to move out veterans. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we're going to certainly look at that this summer. And, you know, again, you have to get value when you move guys out. It's, as I mentioned to you guys a few days ago, our goal isn't just to, to gut the team or to, to get rid of players. It's to, it's to make trades that make you better. And make sure you get value. Make sure you get market market value for those players with exist, existing contracts. You know, today is not the only opportunity to move those players. You're going to have an opportunity in the summer. You have an opportunity next year, and and there's going to be opportunities to to make good deals for some of those players. But it didn't happen this time. In terms of players on expiring contracts, again, you we moved um, two players today, and and two others we didn't, and. You know, it wasn't for lack of effort. Again, you need to, for for uh, the rental type of market, you need a team to want to, you know, acquire a player and make an offer. I guess there's an element here, though, where, you know, yes, these moves could be made in the summer, could be made next year or whatnot, mm -hmm. but the team has struggled for, for years, and obviously you're trying to stay in your position, I guess. You know, is there a concern that this shows that you aren't able to do the rebuild you guys want to do in terms of how ownership looks at it? Yeah, look, Charlie. I said, you know, I said last time our goal is to get younger. We do want to add more young assets. We are a younger team this year. We do have some pieces in Lehigh Valley and elsewhere that we think could be part of the solution going forward. Uh, we do have some veteran players on our team, or veteran players, some players, mid-range age guys that we think can can be a part of this too as we go forward. And we're going to just continue to look at every opportunity to get better. And and the trade deadline was one opportunity. Uh, there was not fair deals, in my opinion, to be made. There are some things that potentially could happen in the summer. And as we go forward, 
we'll just continue to look at those opportunities. But we will get younger. We're going to continue to add more young assets, and we're going to continue to build this build this up. Chip, uh, a few more. With your, uh, you've expressed the need for high-end talent. Uh, yeah. Cutter Gauthier is having a great season down at Boston College, or up at Boston College, I should say. Um, is there a possibility that uh, the Flyers are willing to extend an ELC to him? Uh, I spoke with him last week. He said he was going to sit down with his friends. I mean, well, excuse me, his family and the Flyers in an interview to me. Uh, have the Flyers reached out in any way? And does the lack of success this particular trade deadline now force the hand to sign Cutter to at least give the fan base, hey, this is something to be proud of, I would say? Yeah, I, I don't think you want to, even go back to Charlie's last question, I don't think we want to just make moves for the sake of making moves. Like with with Cutter, you know, we have to sit down with Cutter and really have a good conversation with Cutter, with the coaches at BC, with their own development people. And, you know, out of respect to the fact that they're starting playoffs next week, it, it's not a conversation you have during the year. We, t we speak with Cutter all the time. I've been up there a few times. Other staff members have been up there. We've, we've met with the coaches. I speak with his advisor. And, you know, ultimately the decision we make has to be about what's right for, for Cutter and his development. He's, he's too important uh, to make a decision not based on what's right for him. And uh, But, you know, I think there's conversations that have to be had, and, and at the end of the season we'll, we'll certainly sit down and do that. Is Brendan, Brendan Lemieux uh, a guy you're going to look at for the future, or was that deal basically for the fifth-round pick? Yeah, when I, when I spoke with Rob Blake, um, we had spoke, you know, spoke about Zach. They had interest. You know, we, we talked about a fifth-round pick, and, and, you know, we thought that was fair. But he said to me, you know, I need a little bit of time. I'd, I'd need to move Brendan Lemieux in order to, to bring in Zach McHugh. And I said, well, I'll just take him, you know, with the fifth. But I'll, I'll take Brendan as well. And, and uh, you know, so he, he agreed to that. So Brendan's a pending UFA, and, and we can give him a 20-game uh, trial here to see what he can do. But... But the deal was for the fifth, and then again, Rob had indicated that, for whatever his reasons were, that if he could move Brendan, he would do the deal. So I thought I'd just make it easy on him. With uh, Patrick time. Brown, you know, a lot of times on deadline day, guys who win faceoffs and kill pennies, they tend to be in demand on deadline day, and they tend to be you know, late in the process kind of deals. How did uh, how did Patrick deal from there? Well, I, I, again, I've been speaking to teams for for a while on on all of our players on expiring contracts. And, you know, I talked to a few teams and just, you know, gave them some of my thoughts. I thought Patrick, you know, actually played really well for Vegas in the playoffs a couple of years ago. And his face-offs on the right side are excellent and he can kill and he's willing to block shots and he can really bring an element that teams might need. And, um, you know, a few teams called back and, and Ottawa was, was willing to give a pick. Uh, another team was willing uh, to offer a minor league player back, but but uh, I would have just kept Patrick in that case. But the pick was, you know, was uh, worthwhile, and, and it gives Patrick a chance to, to push for a playoff spot as, as well. But, but Charlie, I'll just go back to your, your last question because I don't know if I answered it as accurately. Like, like, look, I understand our fans are really disappointed. You know, the last two, three years, there's no question we've been trying to, to be a competitive team. Uh, we've been trying to, to be a team, in particular, two years ago, going back to the summer 21, trying to be a team to maximize the last year of, of Giroux on his contract, um, you know, to be a team that could compete and make a playoff spot. And, and, and clearly, you know, I haven't done that. I haven't done that job. 
Uh, there's no doubt. We've had last year we had a couple devastating injuries, absolutely, with Couturier and Ellis and, and even Hazy. This year with Couturier and Atkinson's been very difficult. But that's not the only reason. We need more talent. That's on me. So I, I get it. And, and uh, but you know, this is you know, last summer I think we were a little tepid. We didn't uh, want to do be overly aggressive, I guess, in pursuit of talent because we did have some concerns about Katuria in particular, and then Farabee had been hurt, and we didn't know what we exactly were going to have going into the year. So we put some kids on the team. We gave them that opportunity. And as we go forward, we recognize we have to get more talent, and we are going to build it. And, you know, in, in terms of I'm, I'm not worried about my job. Whatever happens with me will happen with me. That's up to Dave Scott. But everything I do is about doing what's right for the Philadelphia Flyers and, and not taking shortcuts. And, and that's in part why we didn't make any more deals today. The deals that were presented to me were not good deals for the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, last summer, being more aggressive was not going to be good for the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe in the short run it, it makes me look better, or but we don't want Band-Aids anymore. We want to build this the right way, and, and we're committed to doing it. And that's those are my words. My actions will have to back it up, but, but we're committed to doing it. And I think Chuck Fletcher nails it on the head there right at the end. Ultimately, his job as the GM and president of the team is to assemble a roster. And no word. It's, it's like when you... You're fighting with a spouse. You're fighting with a girlfriend or a friend of yours, or you're not seeing eye to eye with a boss. You can tell them that you're going to do this, this, and this, but telling them doesn't mean anything. If you've told them that before, it's ultimately your actions and what they're able to accomplish. It's the seeing is believing, and that's what needs to happen going forward. This team is obviously in transition. They are obviously rebuilding. I believe they are all on the same page with what they need to accomplish. And I don't know that, it, you know, we could say they're all on the same page regarding the timeline. I don't know if they even know of a timeline at this point. That can change really quickly. That can that can change pending what happens in the NHL draft lottery, good, bad, or indifferent. So I, I don't think a timeline is really what's up for debate. But what they do moving forward and, you know, Torts on the radio on Wednesday on 97.5, the Fanatics said there's going to be a lot of addition by subtraction. Who's the subtraction? And what is the replacement? What's the cost of the replacement? Is the replacement, even though this, the addition by subtraction piece you gave up or that's moving on, was that player maybe better right now but not better down the road? So what does that mean for next year? I've talked quite a bit about the feeling that this team needs to be on an ascension, on an arc. How steep that is, we'll see. But this team needs to be on an ascension, and a step back next year would be a really, again, to use the terminology that Bill Meltzer used on Twitter, a tough, bitter pill to swallow. So we'll see where it goes. It wasn't a big step forward yesterday. I wasn't expecting a big step forward. But it is a bitter pill to see that, and it's nothing against James Van Riemsdyk. He's a total pro. He's a good man. He's a good hockey player. But I guess it's the symbolism of it that is the hard part about it. And if you truly get no offers, there's not much you can do. So the deadline is in the rearview mirror. Now the Flyers will complete their final 20 games of the season, and we'll see where things go. Tough schedule coming up. 
including tomorrow against the Detroit Red Wings. What an interesting time it would have been for Detroit to come in if JVR went there and was staying there. That would have been, hey, you don't even have to travel. Uh, just switch locker rooms. Uh, but it wasn't to be. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Keep your head up. We'll talk to you next time tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Tales.